this is Genoa. This is Yusuf. And this is In Flight Entertainment. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Uh, yes, we're in April, and you know we get some nice weather on the West Coast, uh, preferably LA. Um, but you know, if you just want to kind of lounge, or if you're on a plane trying to catch something or watch something, uh, we have something for you this week in the form of M Night Shyamalan's. Knock at the cabin. Yes, so this is now streaming, so you can find it on Peacock if you have that app. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the latest movie from Mr. M. Knight. And according to IMDb, this is about while vacationing, a girl and her parents are taken hostage by armed strangers who demand that the family make a choice to avert the apocalypse. Yeah, I mean that's a pretty, pretty yeah, that's, that's a good, that's a good uh, description. For, <laughs> yeah, it is an accurate description. Yes, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So this movie stars Dave Bautista, uh, Jonathan Groff, uh, Ben Aldrich, uh, Nikki Amuka Bird, um. Rupert, is it Grant or Grant? Yeah, Grant, Grant? that sounds yeah. right. Yeah, and little Kristen Ch- Q. I think it's Q. Uh, it's not as H in it, so I'm going to say it's Q. Q. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'll go with that. Like the Star Trek <laughs> character, Q. Q, yeah. There you go. That tricky, tricky <laughs> callback. What up, what up? <laughs> uh, and, and Abby Quinn makes up the fourth right. intruder. Exactly. Yeah. How to get Um Yeah, so like Jill said, this is in my Shyamalan's uh, uh, new release. Uh, and, uh, actually, this movie was a lot... Is a lot straightforward of a narrative than I thought it would have been. Uh, given you know it's an M Night Shyamalan movie, I was I was definitely expecting like, oh, okay, oh, what's the twist, what's the twist? right. Normally with his movies, where we look for a twist, uh, something unexpected, but the four intruders. Uh, basically tell you what's happening right from the start so you don't have to guess it's just <laughs> it's all laid out I think the twist in this is are they crazy or are they telling the truth all right exactly. and it's up to you to determine you're sort of the audience is in the same place as the the two parents Jonathan and Ben or Eric and Andrew um, and their daughter Wynn to figure out whether or not these four people that have invaded their space uh disrupted their vacation right are batshit crazy or are they really messengers from god yes um actually uh the the uh, are they aren't they element and the first half of the movie was really really intriguing um because you're in the place of the vacation, you see these people like, what are they doing? And then the main couple, you know, being, you know, being of, you know, the LGBTQIA uh, marriage, um, 
So there's uh, there's that in play. So it's like, okay, these they could just be kind of cultists that just don't like our way of life and they just invading us and they taking us hostage because we are who we are. So it was that element also that's thrown up. It's like, oh, they could just be the racist biggest that's just trying to terrorize these you know people. Well, and, and and the reason why you think that is because one of the attackers and baiters, Redman, played by Rupert, um, is someone that had attacked Eric um, while he was at a bar with his partner, Andrew. So he believes because he recognizes his previous attacker for being uh, a gay couple, that this is um, that this attack is also motivated by his prejudices. Right. Yeah. And so Batista set the rules up saying that as time goes on, if this couple refuses to sacrifice one of the three, they can't kill themselves. Like, they can't commit suicide. So, if it was me and you, like, I could kill myself. Okay, I'm going to kill myself and then we're done. And they're like, no, that don't count. Like, you have to make the decision to sacrifice one of the others. Uh, like, And the more... The longer you wait, you're going to have more apocalyptic events happen around the world. So pretty much they're saying, well, you all are going to be responsible for the end of the world, pretty much. But it's going to come in four parts. Uh, So as as that goes on, then we see the couple trying to, A, figure out how to get out the situation because they're tied up in the cabin. And two, trying to figure out exactly what are these four, what are the four people's like in game? Because of course they don't believe that, you know, they have this weight of the world, literally weight on the world on them by these random four strangers. So it's like that in itself is like, dude, y'all ridiculous. Stop eating those mushrooms. Like, leave (laughs) us alone. Yeah. Yeah, so this film is sort of a, it's a mashing of the, the like, whole cabin in the woods or genre, uh, but within an apocalypse, end of world twist to make it more psychological. Right. And, and it also kind of reminds me of, like, it's so self-contained, it reminds me of a, a, a Twilight, a modern Twilight Zone episode. It's a, it's meaning that you know you gotta have these different themes and these different like these different like uh, philosophies and things like that. Like right. Well, and, and like you're you're absolutely right. Like it, the whole Twilight series, TV shows, it was sort of you are always approaching a singular event. Mm-hmm. And viewing it from different perspectives. So you're looking at this home invasion from the perspective of the couple. Like we're being attacked. Are we being attacked for who we are? And then you're you're also looking at it from the four attackers. We're not attacking. We're trying to save the world. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. and these people are stopping us from doing it and they just don't understand. Right. Yeah. And also there's, you can even dig deeper into the premise of this movie. Okay. So if if these four strangers are ordained by a higher power to tap these three individuals to commit the ultimate sacrifice that will save the world. What? Why those three? And it's all. And that question is never answered. Like because it's like never answered. It's just like right. you three, like are responsible for saving the world, but you have to commit this ultimate sacrifice to save the world. It's kind of like was it the these of the few outweigh the. Or the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few, where the couple is like the, the, the needs of the few outweighs the needs of the many. So you kind of have these two opposing like viewpoints going on, which is very interesting. Yeah, it's definitely like with everything going on in the world right now, it is a different way to put a mirror up to society right now. And that is your selfishness worth the destruction of society? Mm, yeah, that's deep. That's deep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, well, I mean, we're not giving away because we're approaching this this review with the assumption that no one has seen this, so we're not going to really give too much away. But being as vague as you can be. Um, so, like, when everything kind of, well, everything that transpired, like, up to, you know, third act in and the ultimate revelation, like, how, so, how, like, how, how did you feel, like, how the, I guess, the resolution of the story happened? Like, was it kind of, did it fall into what you were thinking it would fall into, or no? Uh, yes, 100%. Okay. Um, it just sort of felt like it was trying too hard. Um, the one thing I, I did really like about the film is that this is like every future director needs to watch this film to highlight how you can make an impactful, similar to what was the movie we watched, uh, The Tailor. <clears throat> oh, the outfit. Oh, the outfit, yes. yes. Uh, where you have a like a really a single setting, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and you create drama within the single setting, uh, and you bring in like I didn't I didn't think that they need he needed all the flashbacks that okay. kept pulling me out of the drama, the tension that was happening within the room. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I did like the use of like the news clips. <laughs> to highlight what's happening outside of their secluded area. And I felt like, like this is a nice, they should show this in in film school of how do you create tension through characters and through video clips of what's happening outside. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And and to your point, it's cool that a lot of directors are, you know, going with, you know, maybe the one or two locations, like the smaller you know, uh, setting to tell these stories. I think probably the pandemic, like, reprioritized directors as far as their vision 
you know, to kind of go smaller, but still the story and the characters, like you said, the story and the characters can still have the same impact if they were going to like six or seven different locations. You could do a, a clever way to use that space, you know, to tell your story. Same thing with the menu, right? Like most of yeah. that movie was like at that little restaurant space. Um, yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like they didn't need to go outside of the dining room in the menu. They did, but it wasn't it wasn't required right. for the tension that was happening within the room. Um, and, and you're probably right. It does have it may have something to do with COVID and you know, if you can have a singular location and a smaller crew, that's less people that you have to test for COVID and less people, your insurance and everything is smaller. Um, and I know like on the sets that I've had to go to that we always have to have backup mm-hmm. for every single person that's going. Yeah. Um, and every person that we're casting. So if you're doing a, a large set and you have lots of extras, let's say you normally would only hire 10 extras, but because of COVID now you have to order 20 extras uh-huh. in case 10 of those people get COVID <laughs> and can't show up to set. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Like, oh, your contingency needed contingency. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but, so, yeah. you know, you, you may be right that like having these smaller sets and, Single locations, it, it just it makes life easier. It's also better on the budget. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, so bravo. I mean, kind of like the may let's just say it, it was the situation with you know the COVID and COVID shooting and the health protocols on set. You know, having not only the production, the producers, and the finance people kind like clamp down on resources that force directors to be more clever with their storytelling. And I think that I'm, and I'm glad they kind of had a taste of that. Like, okay, cool. Like just like with Albert Hitchcock, he's like, Hey, if you can't do South by Southwest, like do rope, you know, rope was like maybe two locations and you know, but yeah, which is cool. I kind of dig that. Um, but yeah, I definitely agree with you on, um, on on your take on the flashbacks, yeah, it, it was pretty jarring. It, it wasn't jarring. It was just like being dropped in like moments in time. Like you know, it's flashback, but now you're trying to like chronologically link. Like, okay, this flashback probably takes place when they they okay they met, and it's like the, with the parents. Like, so it's like you try to piece together like the flashback and how it's gonna kind of lasso around to the present kind of thing, you know, but yeah. Well, and, and it wasn't like a lot of the fat flashbacks were to highlight the love between the two um, parents and, and why they adopted a child, but that wasn't needed. Like you could mm-hmm. see <laughs> through their interactions in the room that they loved each other. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't, I don't know. It just, it felt, extra to add on, I don't know, extra time. It wasn't a long movie. So it wasn't, it wasn't like it was a three hour movie and that <laughs> added an hour to it. Yeah. Um, the movie is only an hour and 40 minutes, but so yeah, it could have, have been an hour 30. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Get a flashback a little, 
it, it threw me off a few times. Yeah. Um, but and like you said, and then after when you see it all, like okay, like how much of an impact those flashbacks made with the end result? I mean, not much. Yeah. Um, but you know, yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> but yeah, but hats off to you know. Yeah, the actor. Yeah, they were great. You know, Batista is constantly proving himself as like the actor that won to shit his you know uh, comic book comic book movie persona, and he's taking all these different you know roles like uh, Glass Onion, and then this role just to kind of show that he you know yeah yeah he has some versatility. <laughs> Yeah, he's not just a big giant wrestler. He he does like he he can do uh, lots of different. You know, he can emote. <laughs> yeah, and you know he's and who, who he was in this movie. Yeah, that yeah with the glasses and kind of like that work shirt button up. You know, tight button up white. I was like. He was a doped up car kid. <laughs> With those glasses and white button up shirt. Uh, but he was like very, very subdued, you know, it's very, you know, concerning. Yeah, he definitely like stole the stole the like movie. Yeah. Him and the little girl. Oh yeah. Um, uh, that little girl's like, great. The the opening scene of the two of them like catching grasshoppers or whatever is just it's so creepy and so quiet and so perfect mm. um, that that like that scene sucks you in, and then it's just the rest of the movie. Yeah, yeah. and oh, okay. Now, what I will say, because talk about the grasshoppers, right? And you know, and when like catch the grasshoppers and logging them in her little notebook, and she says, "Oh, don't worry, I'm not gonna." I think she said, "I'm not gonna kill you. I'm just." studying you. I'm just going to study you. I thought that had, I thought that was going to kind of dovetail to something else that could have led to a different kind of ending, which wasn't, but I was like, what I, like what I seen it, like when I seen it and she said that, I was like, huh, Okay, me. I'm just trying to pick up clues while the movies watch. Like, okay, because he's talking right because you're used to M Night movie where yeah. <laughs> every scene there's a clue about the secret that's going to be revealed at the end and that wasn't this film. Exactly. So like I said, it's like one of the most straightforward yeah. M.I. Shyamalan films I've, I've seen in a while. Which isn't a bad thing, you know. Yeah, sometimes you try to do too much you kind of fall on your face. Um, but yeah. Alright. So, so our, uh, our rating goes to follow. Um, but on the couch slash food fly. Uh, it's a good hour and 40 minutes uh, of viewing. You dig it. Uh, on in the background slash turbulence. Uh, it's a meh middle of the road. And ultimately, go outside slash crash and burn. Meaning, I would rather go outside and see if I can contract whatever new variance is happening right now because I'm sure something is going on in the disease world. Uh, so <laughs> uh, so uh, what will you get? 
I mean, it's sort of sit on this, uh, have on in the background for me. It's not quite sit on the sofa. It was a fine movie, but I think, <clears throat> I think that the name of the movie having the word cabin in it through me because I'm so used to like horror movies <laughs> that are set up that way that I was mm. expecting something very different. Mm. And this was a very quiet yeah. psychological thriller. It's not a horror movie. It's not scary. No. Uh, and like I mentioned, like all the flashbacks sort of take you out of that tension. Mm. Um, whereas if they had just stayed in the room to build the tension, that would have been much creepier or mm. psychological. Right. <laughs> um, then the movie actually ended up being. I agree. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I, yeah. I get that. I agree with you. I'll I'll put it on the background. Um, it's definitely, you know, M Nights. Like, it's not in his bed. It's not the village. It's not the happening. Like, it's 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 not those. I mean, it's definitely an enjoyable watch, but. Yeah, there were certain elements that I again, like what Jen would say, like the flashbacks was a little jarring. Um, Yeah, the end. Yeah, I mean, it was. I guess I wasn't ready for the predictability, like of of this film. Like, I mean, because you know. M Night kind of builds. That's kind of like his trademark, and it was just very just point A, point B, point C in the movie. I was like, oh, okay. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it was enjoyable. It's not a bad movie, but, I mean, as far as his filmography, I would definitely probably go Sixth Sense or Unbreakable. You know, I, I would go back to, like, his his older stuff. Oh, I split his newer one. I really like that one. Um, it's kind of like the year, not year, but Kind of like when Jordan Peele dropped like Nope on me, and I'm watching Gat knock at the cabin. I'm like, eh. <laughs> like, ah. it's like you get a you get an A for effort M night, but you didn't blow me away like Nope did with with Peele. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but you know what would be an interesting. Collaboration would be Pale and Knight. Oh yeah, man! <laughs> what they would come up with will be ah, that would be crazy. <laughs> Who knows? But I mean, maybe yeah, I'm sure they I'm sure they know each other in some way, shape, form. Uh, um, I mean, first. minority directors in Hollywood. Yeah, of course they do. <laughs> <Joking. laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they probably have uh, each other on their cell phone uh, context. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so there you have it. Knock at the cabin. Uh, it's on Peacock for stream and uh, for rent, digital. Uh, I think it's on blue right now. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, we we give it a, we give it on the background, but definitely if you want to watch it, we're not gonna. We're not going to hold it against you to like watch it, you know, but yeah. So check it out. It's only hour and 40. Uh, so there you have it. And we'll catch you next week with some beast ball. Until then, we'll say one safe travel. Stay safe.
Yes. Peace.